it's dead. I was there for Ric Flair's farewell at WrestleMania 24. I was there for Shawn Michaels' farewell at WrestleMania 26. And now I'll be there for Jim Smallman's farewell. And I'm sure it'll be just as emotional. Fire. Tuesday night graps, which is fine if you're into that, but not for me. I want stories that I engage with. I don't want blow-up dolls, blow-up crocodiles, and blow-up sharks. Hey, that was a great bit with that blow-up doll tonight, mate. Well done, here's £20 for a T-shirt. <laughs> Thanks for the chat. I feel really good because I spoke to a wrestler. Progress downgraded to Ali Pally and John Bry, but humble brag sweet up about the rest being dead, even though they drew 2,000 less than they could be year before in a shit venue and not a shit show. Yep. Uh, but hey, you've got to, you know, keep keep bragging humbly about things that aren't there to brag about. Go Briley. Problem is, you've the beefy fuckers title. I can imagine one of those Brit rest promotions that bumbled along that just does like meme shit. <laughs> Adopt it and be like, oh, the beefy fuckers title. Way! It's dead. It's dead. JP dangled, um, how can I put it? Progress-based content in front of me, in the same way the strippers dangled their tits in front of my mates in the strip club the other night, and they ran a mile. Well, they ran off into boobs, and I sat there in my ivory tower judging them to be fucking idiots. And I got far more excited by progress-based content than I did tits. So I don't know what that says about me, and I don't know what it says about you know <laughs> what turns me on possibly. Aya, Aya. There was an Aussie Open CCK match that I just hated. I absolutely hated it. Like, you've got four guys in there, and they've all got Schadenfreude on their gear. They're facing each other. Then all of these kind of, like, I don't know, um, I get validation of the merch table fans start being like, oh, my God, I can't believe these four guys are facing each other. Oh, it's Schadenfreude. Uh, Chance of stuff like, oh, we're very conflicted. Like, give over. Like, this is the type of stuff I hate in wrestling. Oh, he's like a bit of a mate of mine is that Kyle Fletcher because like we had a little chat earlier and like he's really nice to me. Fuck him. Great comedy this was. Like uh, awful. Fucking awful. One star. I'm going to watch Dave Mastic and Joe Coffee. I want to see him doing this tripe. And tripe it was. And I'm glad that my dad didn't turn up at JP's as we were watching this and walking on this because he would have just been like how do you like this shite and I said you know what dad I don't like this this is fucking awful and I'm <laughs> laughing at it this is NXT UK that has led to this decline it's NXT UK that has led to the lack of interest in British wrestling and we said this was coming how long ago two and a half years ago I've been over here looking at people for a long time about this and this has been a long time in the planning. It's not hope to throw together to try to, to disrupt anything. There's zero restriction on anybody working anywhere except for the companies who won't let these fellas work for them. WWE rehearsed lines that just get whipped out. I wonder if they get to like these training sessions where Stephanie McMahon sits there as some sort of like PR person, Canyon Seaman, 
Mark Haran. <laughs> Mark Haran. Yeah, that guy. And they're just like, so if you're in the media and we need to talk about how we're the underdog, we got to establish that. Talk about dinner and tables. I think Odin has been an absolute prick. And I just think what he's done is inexcusable. And it's a real kind of picture of the man, if anything. It really does show you what a low-down, scummy human being that he ultimately is. Twitter is a toxic platform that I'm, I do not miss any level whatsoever. It makes you feel completely disillusioned with British wrestling. People have to think they're very liberal. They're reacting like tabloid newspapers. And they're coming out with the most tabloidy style takes and comments that put everything into these binary kind of categories. I think Rev Pro is behind the times as a company. I think they've stagnated. I think they're stuck in about 2015. But what's happened since maybe about 2016 is there's been a generational shift in the British wrestling fans, in the culture of British wrestling fans. Me and you, Benno, come from very much the work right generation of fans, whereas I think the current crop of fans here are very much the sort of shtick and meme generation of fans. It's dead. What I love about wrestling in the UK, it's done. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's kind of rambling, isn't it? Hello, this is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Beto. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And as everyone will have heard at the top of the show, thanks to the stellar work of uh, Oliver Court and Ollie's World, Brit Rez is dead. And <laughs> lads, I didn't know I was going to turn into one of those people, but I am now. How can people, ourselves included, say Brit Rez is dead? If they've seen what we all just watched uh, just before we came to air in PCW's Stephen Flooder versus Shake El Sham. there was ever any proof that Brit Rez isn't dead, I'd say it's that. Alive and well. Nothing <laughs> wrong with it whatsoever after that match. Match of the year, it. the Brit Rez, if you ask me. <laughs> it's, it really is. We saved the best for the decade until the very last, right, December 2019. Can you think of a more notable match in British wrestling this year? <laughs> a more memorable match? I can't. <laughs> Seeing your, I knew one of the surprises, but seeing your reaction to it was was even was even better. It was a great comedy set piece. The entire match. I don't necessarily love comedy wrestling, but that was spectacular. It's on um, Stephen Flood's Facebook, isn't it? If anybody wants to check it out, but and, and YouTube. Yeah, oh, it's on YouTube too. Oh God. Yep. I'm guessing that the big surprise you're talking about is the appearance of uh, the one Billy Gunn. Were you expecting that, Joe? Did you know that was coming? No, I had no idea. I knew the match had happened. I had no idea what happened in the match. But what smoke and mirrors. That's one of the best smoke and mirrors matches I've seen for a long time. They did what Progress couldn't do in the main event of Ali Pally a couple of years ago in that Travis <laughs> Banks-Pete Dunn match. But PCW pulled it off to perfection. Great stuff. Yeah, Stephen Flutter trying to hit clotheslines and hit the world's worst hip toss and body slam to shake oh, out. Oh, Steamboat-esque, that hip <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, and he was just like... Uh, the best bit was when he, he kind of walks out like he's cock of the manor in his PCW t-shirt, slapping hands, kissing his girlfriend in the front row. What a hero. I was a bit disappointed with the entrance music. I was saying to JP, she come out what to was like... It? Some pop punk song. It sounded like a. He was coming out to like. It sounded like Mark Andrews' entrance or something. Where I was thinking, yeah. to JP, a bit of White Snake, like Here I Go Again, or like a, <laughs> a Bon Jovi classic or something would have suited him perfectly. Or I'd have had a bit of Austin's music, a bit of glass yeah. smashing in marching down the aisle. Mm. 
would have been perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, just to paint the picture for anyone who's not seen it or isn't going to see it, like say this was Flutter and Shake El Sham for ownership of PCW, a year of, you know, we went to the uh, the Blackpool PCW shows, didn't we? We had the buyout mm-hmm. led by Shake El Sham was taken over PCW. Apparently they ended up owning PCW and poor Stephen Flutter was there trying to fight to get, a, get his company back. They had all kinds of, you know, PCW talent running in, the likes of Danny Hope, ex-booker Greg Lambert. Uh, who else was there? Tal Bannum. Tal Bannum, our man, Tal Bannum. Uh, big T Justice. Big uh, I'd, T. Imagine, I'd imagine there was a big pop in the uh, in the JP household when, uh, oh. when Big T walked out. And just the fact that that's the level of people you're talking about. And then the whole match on the commentary, the building up that Stephen Flood has been trained by a mystery man and then turning up unadvertised for the big run-in with a cap on as well. So I'm not even sure all the people in the crowd knew it was him. Badass Billy Gunn to hit a fame master and a crotch chop and uh, send the people home happy. Uh, the dream team we always, always knew we wanted. Send the people home happy. Send the people to the Stanley Arms happy. <laughs> Imagine oh, the after party in there that night. Oh, oh, I wish I was there. I'm so sad I missed. Like I, this is Preston, yeah. so it's not even far away from me. But I was, I was at um, eighteen races <coughs> that day. As were the Ogdens as well. They missed it too. Yeah. Uh, Why were they not there? there? That, they should have been running in that match as well. <laughs> yeah. Jeff with a big boot and the leg drop. Andy with oh, a elbow off the top, was, baby. <laughs> we were saying that this was a match that was, like, booked for them. Hmm. This uh, this was, like, every kind of... Uh, honestly, all it needed was uh, big, big Guns Joe. Yeah. And that kind of basically would have been it. <laughs> it would have been every kind of... Whoever the Ogdens would have been loving, it, that would have been it. There wasn't enough Flutter-based chance for my liking. So that, that yeah. was what was missing, but... Yeah, I'm uh, still a big fan of the match. Fl- the venue as well. I love the Avoc. What a venue. <laughs> yeah, it always looked great, especially when it's like it was relatively busy for like the numbers they do like nowadays. Mm. All there for Flood's big moment. But to be fair, sorry, it's the venue that the electric ballroom only wishes it could be. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah, when uh, back when Brit Res was apparently in the doldrums and there was not much going on. Flutter was packing that place every month. You know, he might have brought over the Steiner brothers and all kinds of other uh, big American names to uh, to fill it. Chris Masters. Chris Masters was a big star for them. Uh, big series of Chris Travis there. Michelle uh, Fawn. <laughs> speaking of the big names. Uh, but yeah, to be fair though, the, the, to fair to the Ogdens, when I saw them at Inchy Races, like I got, I think I got one runner up and I'm pretty sure between the two of them, they had the winner in every single race. I think they even had the one and two in most of the races as well. So they had Jesus. a big day. We, maybe we should have all headed though to Stanley Arms afterwards to uh, to celebrate. That sounds like a cracking day of the races. You're quite into, because you'll be doing the races again around Christmas, won't you? No, this was replacement. We usually go to ah. Christmas with my brothers away. So usually go with me, dad, and that's, yeah, we just had the... Uh, the so you dressed Christmas up, the three of you. Well, you know, you know, I, I got a couple of comments about my scarf. Apparently, uh, I, I did watch The Irishman last week, but that wasn't the only reason I was dressed like a mobster, honest. Um, but yeah, the Ogdens look very smart themselves as well. You know, it was uh, it was a good occasion for all. But I went into, uh, to, I didn't quite go to Liverpool City Centre with the Ogdens. I believe they went to Ship and Mitre. So I'm sad that I, that oh. I missed that too. But I managed That's- to meet up with all my mates who'd just been the Everton game. So everyone was oh. all in like a... Big dunk, well. uh, enthralled kind of uh, celebration. So it was still a good day, even if I didn't quite get to PCW. He's like the the Stephen Flutter of Eben is Duncan. <laughs> what a fucker! Where he grabbed that ball, boy! Like genuinely, oh, yeah. 
I was at the races and maybe I had a couple of beers, but I watched that clip and I genuinely had a tear in my eye. That's how much I love Victor. It was bringing back all these memories of oh. the, the mid nineties and the when we were fucking shite and we're shite now too. But when we were really shite and the one hope spot we had was uh, was Big Dunk might uh, might headbutt somebody or uh, score a header. He, yeah, he was the, our hero. Like the Bruiser Brody of the Premier League, obviously <laughs> without the Puerto Rico stuff. That's a great comparison. That. Yeah. <laughs> it really was. Couldn't tame him. Like only only Everton, which would be what the equivalent of all Japan. Look, Invader One would have come along and big dump would have knocked him out. To be honest, <laughs> he, like them robbers in his house that he handled. You know, oh, no problem with them. Yeah. Oh, don't come for big dunks, pigeons. You know what's going to happen, and yeah, don't come for yeah. uh, the ball boys either. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been uh, sad that I don't oh. have the Everton season ticket anymore. But that was definitely Let's a day. Give him the job. <laughs> I don't know on that. Maybe we'll I am up for that every week. Look, I don't care for Everton. I find it quite a boring club. Sorry, oh! sorry, Benno. <laughs> and and I love Liverpool. So, uh, but if Duncan wow. Ferguson's there in that position, I'm up for watching some Everton. Trust me, going to bring the entertainment. And I'm fed up of hearing, you know, Mourinho-based shite constantly about someone being a superstar manager. Look, Duncan Ferguson, there's a superstar manager for you. Wears his heart on his sleeve, knocks ball boys out, would probably knock another manager out. He'd lay Mourinho out on the touchline. You'd win the hardest manager contest. And also, just imagine that time when there's a big decision given against you, like VAR. His reaction alone is worth certainly a couple more weeks of him being around. And Nigel Pearson back at Watford as well. I remember on the Football Ramble, we won their hardest manager because they, they said something like, um, he would be hard and he'd be great to lay a patio with. And he'd have a laugh with you while laying the patio, but he'd make sure the job had to be done. Whereas I reckon Duncan Ferguson against a, a stoic man like Nigel Pearson, that's a fight. You've got a stoic man against an animated man. Both pretty hard. Let I want to see that kick off. When's Watford Everton? <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll have a look it up on the app. But yeah, I, I, I'd take it. Like to be honest, we've just if we can take any lesson from Sheikh Al Sham and Flooder, I feel like if you book a big match like this, have some shenanigans in there. I feel like a, a wrestling promoter would be missing out if they didn't uh, put this thing on it. Goodison, Duncan Ferguson in a main event. Let's it'd be like um, Creed, <laughs> Creed yeah. only Bellew. Ah, oh, Bellew leading Ferguson to the ring. Yes, <laughs> that's, that, that's the Creed remake we all want. Uh, what have you guys been up to anyway? While I was uh, doing all that stuff, and use your head. Oh, what have we been doing? I think. Um... Yeah, what have we been doing? We've watched a political debate. Not much working, to be brutally honest with you. Getting depressed about a Tory government. Yes. Again. <laughs> yes. Five years. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. It's bleak. He's just trying to, like, kind of get through to Christmas holidays and try not to think of the horrific event that's going to happen this Thursday, probably. I'd obviously love to be wrong, but... Well, you yeah. know, JP, we, we went on a bit of a rant about it last podcast. If we encourage just a couple of people to... Register to vote, you know, maybe we could uh, put, put, put them over the edge, maybe. They, with the, uh, uh, couple spotlights fair on enough. It's, it's like, seriously, what else better are you doing that day, not voting? And just remember the last nine years mm. and say to yourself, honestly, can we do better than this? Than that shower of shit at the top with the, sorry, as Joe told me, he was called Eaton Cookie Monster in charge. <laughs> Can't be having this bollocks, honestly. 
he's a meme. No. Yeah, and vote, ta- vote tactically, fine. Just vote not Tory. I'll be voting tactically. I have to vote Lib Dem where I am. Hmm. Labour got a chance. Yeah, La- I- Labour got a chance. Ah, I came out. I, I did like one of those, you know, who should you vote for type things today, and I came oh, out like pretty much like eighty percent Lib Dem slash Green and barely any Labour, but I still couldn't bring myself to vote for what, them. I used to in Liverpool, you know, and it was basically you know they asked you a question, you know, what do you think on immigration, what do you think on Brexit, uh, and apparently I came out as a Lib Dem. Uh, I have voted for them uh-huh. in the past. Oh, I, I never voted again. I we did one of them at work, yeah. and I came out as ninety four percent Labour, yeah. wow. like ninety percent Lib Dem, and ninety two percent Green or something. I was also a fifteen percent Tory. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what that was. <laughs> as long as you don't come out Brexit party, then I think you're all right. As long as I don't come out seventy percent Tory like Will Cooley. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, we haven't touched that, that clip. Of Will, that, uh, you can also get well, Lexit through Corbyn. Yeah. <laughs> and now he... That uh, that video of Will on Question Time from like 1995. Oh, what is it, Tony? 2005. Oh, it was 2005. Sorry, Will. David, You're not that David, old. And, um, David <laughs> Cameron in the Tory leadership election, oh, which brilliant. was also the election of David Davis having like page three models with uh, t-shirts on saying "I am double D" or something as well. <laughs> I saw Will went to the after party, and Will, I know you can't contact me via Twitter, but let us know what the after party was like. A few of them page three models were around. Be interested to know a little bit more, especially during that David Davis campaign. Oh, definitely. My favorite <laughs> favorite bits when um, like they're introducing David Cameron, and the camera just goes on to Will in the crowd, the question time, and it just says something like Tory candidate David Cameron, and it's just it's just Will sat there. So yeah, brilliant. <laughs> we're definitely using that as the show image. I'm going to give Will oh, yeah. some credit here. I like to think of him as the Ken Clark of British wrestling. Put it that way. Yeah, a Tory that I'm all right with. He's got some interesting opinions. He's erudite. Uh, he's a, probably a good laugh, good conversation. Yeah, that's that's what I'd give, give Will credit for being. Ken Clark, my favourite Tory. There you go, Will. So we slag you off a lot, but, you know, we can be nice. Uh, <laughs> oh the other thing i was going to mention as well i mentioned it earlier there joe as well i did uh, while i was in berlin last weekend one of the reasons we uh, missed our show last week so sorry everyone i did manage to see the irishman uh big fan it was uh, it was very good it was uh mid middle of the road for scorsese films but that's no that's not you reckon really. well that's not me having a go that you know i'm pretty much a fan of his entire I put it my top five. Oh, would you have it above casino yeah absolutely Casino's not got uh, any because JP said this before. Casino's not got any likable characters. Yeah. So mm, there's no true. real hook in the film. Yeah. And Casino plays out like a series of vignettes, like it's a mm. series of scenes, and there's no real plot or kind of like mm. uh, there's no real sort of like well, no narrative, narrative drive. Trajectory. It's yeah. just time moves on, and it's not that kind of a film. Mm. And I, yeah, I think it's almost style over substance at times. Casino. Yeah, it's like it's my middle of the road Scorsese film. It's like generic. It's it, I mean, people are given this one grief for being three and a half hours. That's three hours itself, and it's always the one that, and it's probably that the unlikable characters where I have to watch yeah. it in bits. I'll watch like an hour and a half, and then I'll turn it off, and then I'll watch another mm-hmm. hour, and then I'll somehow get myself around to watching the last half hour. I kind of class that as like my there are things I like about it, but it's like my middle of the road Scorsese, and I'd say this is above that, but I wouldn't have it at the top. I think Goodfellas is quite a few notches above. I'd go Goodfellas as Wrestle Rock and Austin at WrestleMania 17. Casino mm. as Rock and Austin at WrestleMania 19. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a good analogy. Yeah, I yeah. Like that. yeah. I mean, like, I think the um, what really didn't work for me, and it's again, it's I think 
De Niro and Pacino uh, were good enough that it didn't matter in the end. But yeah, all these people going on about oh, how great is it all? Like the the anti aging technology and stuff. Like those lads looked every bit of sixty at least. Like no matter that... the scene. Like it was real. I found it really distracting at first. I got over it eventually because, like I say, they're all so good. Pesci's so good despite the fact he looks about ninety throughout the film. Uh, but yeah, th- that that was definitely it wasn't the uh, the technical marvel. I think it it got billed as. I thought now. I know Joe. When you went to see it, you wouldn't bother you at all during. No, the agents have to just didn't bother me. I, I don't know what it was. I didn't I, really think about it. Part of the now, I must say to my shame, I've started it. I was watching it on a on a Friday night a couple of weeks ago, like two hours, and I was just too tired, and I switched it off. And because I haven't gone back and seen it, I'll need to go back and see it at some at some point again. So I've only seen like the first two hours. For me. Some of the aging stuff, the more I thought about it, the more they kind of looked a bit PS4-ish <laughs> yeah, at points. But the, the big thing was when there's a guy gets thrown through the window and mm, there's a, a wide yes. shot yes. and he's him beating him up and he looks like he's... <laughs> Just an old man, isn't it? An old a man. old man, yeah. And it's like, oh my Lord. And like, they, did, they could have filmed that differently as well. Absolutely. absolutely. You didn't need to film that on a wide. No. Mm. Yeah, not at all, not without like doing something of getting a younger man and then just digitizing De Niro's face onto it or something along those lines. It was just, yeah, it wasn't good. That was um, but what I was seeing of it, I was really liking. I was just too tired to kind of take it in mm. after a while. Well, I finished it. So I haven't, I haven't finished it, and oh, I'm probably going to need to go back to the start and watch it. Shocking. Mike, sorry. Mike, I kind of did the same thing in first. Like, this might sound sacrilegious, Joe, but this is while I was in Berlin. My girlfriend wasn't very well last night, one of the nights, sorry. So we were like, we'll stay in, we'll watch The Irishman. There was a netto over the road from uh, my hotel in in Berlin. So I went over there, I was getting the uh, the Yavers, the Warstanners, the Bitburgers, all 19 peach for like these 500 mil bottles. So I kind of like, I'd, I'd watch like an hour, then I'd have a little bit of a break, go over and get a couple more beers, come back, I watched another hour. I think I then went back over to Netto and got myself like a Currywurst sausage roll, Werner uh, Scrooner <laughs> beer. Again, I'm only spending, you know, less than a euro here. Like I had a great time in Berlin, saw the Berlin Wall, did all the museum stuff, went to loads of bars and restaurants. But honestly, I think that that was probably my favourite night in Berlin, just sitting back and drinking all these cheap Netto beers. Uh, but yeah, I watched it in bits for that reason, and I think that I felt like I had to with maybe the length of it. So you can come back to it, JP, and finish it off at some other point. Not I will. Points. There's always a part of me that's like, I would get round to it the minute if I'm, I'm like, the only thing I'm watching, and I know Joe's started, I don't know if you've seen any of it, is Watchmen. Yeah, which I've is mixed things fuck- on that. Fucking incredible, man! As a fan of the comics, it's yeah. Do you need to be though? Because that's the thing I've heard. It's like you need to know. I would say yes. Have you read the graphic novel? Yeah, I don't Uh, need context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've kind of got to have the context and the backstory. Really do. I mean, the the viewing figures are actually a lot better than what people have said. But as a as a fan of the graphic novel, it's I think it's incredible. Mm. It's absolutely incredible. But to be honest, it's like I can't imagine knowing what the hell is going on if you've got no concepts of of like any of these characters you need to have some sort of primer to kind of get you set up yeah i could do with something new to watch i mean maybe i'll pick it up at some point the only thing i'm watching right now is four blocks which i don't think either of you guys have seen like the, the it's like a german gangster thing it's a very yeah it's on it's amazon a, prime isn't it yeah 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 again while i was away like i was I, I came across a barbers in like the uh the ghetto in berlin that was uh themed it was called the tony hamadi barbers who's like the main character and it was like seeing like a tony soprano barbers and i was so happy to see it and i tweeted 
hated about it, asking if anyone else was a was a fan of the show. And I literally I got two responses, both from Germans. Nobody else. So uh, if anyone else is out there that oh. watches that, uh, it's a great show. You guys should both watch it as well. But if anyone it... does watch it, reach out. What's it about? It's it's about uh, the Turkish gangs in Berlin uh, running like the local drug scene, that type of thing, and they're trying they're trying to go straight. It's every it is every gangster like kind of TV show you've ever seen. There's a there's a mole cop. There's a few of the, the tropes, but it's very well shot and very well written. So good show, I recommend it. it. Okay, I put it on the watch list because you'd mentioned it. And I was like, mm. what is this? But um. Yeah, maybe around Christmas. I'm going to have a big blowout and watch yeah. loads of stuff. I've got lots on over the next, like, kind of two weeks. So mm. once those two weeks are out of the way, I plan on going some Jim Morrison-esque binge, probably. <laughs> you d- you're no, doing a um, top ten films of the decade list, Joe? I know you were into doing your uh, your top list of films back in and, the day. And even thought about it. Uh, mm. oh, uh, yeah. ma- maybe I will, yeah. Why not? I'll do that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I, was try, I was trying to put mine together. And I was like, this year is going to be tough because it's like right now it's Joker and Irishman are kind of my leads, uh, but I haven't seen a huge amount. But yeah, some other some some interesting stuff across the decade. Trying to put it together. Ah, uh, Irishman's considerably better than Joker, if you ask me. That's definitely better. But I think they're considerably one better, mate. Come on, <laughs> the, oh, the, we, the Joker's a Scorsese wannabe film. Oh, it definitely you got, is. Yeah. You got a Scorsese film. Like the Joker, ah, in case of spoilers, think about the over exposition of the Joker that makes everything obvious and works as a MacGuffin to hold the story together. That, is that you know, appeases the idiots. And <laughs> that's harsh. Well, mate, 52% plus of this country are idiots. <laughs> Let's be honest. And the idiots are going to confirm their idiocy come Thursday, aren't they? Let's be honest here. So, you know, you got to, you got to appease the idiots. Maybe I need to see more this year, Joe. I've only seen like maybe 11, 12 films from this year. I've got a big catch-up uh, period coming up. Come you seen the Maradona documentary? Still no. Still no. Still my Sorry, film lads. of the year. <laughs> That's going to win, is it? Do you count documentaries yeah. when you do your film of the year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah this is a film. Category. Okay. It's the way it's edited, the way it's structured. Mm. It's good, it's Goodfellas of Maradona. <laughs> he kind of Maradona is in the Henry Hill Ray Liotta <laughs> honestly uh, if that doesn't sell it I don't know what else will uh, but anyway yeah enough <laughs> films and TV and stuff should we talk some wrestling well this or is one of the things that's, <laughs> and it's also part of the thing that we've had is there's not really necessarily been loads going on over the last two weeks yeah that was another Hence reason the show last thing. week yeah, really. yeah that's it you were watching The Watchmen and uh Joe had been to Rev Pro that weekend, Adney, and I was away. So yeah, it kind of felt I want to miss. And like I was even trying to like collect news stories for the day. This it does feel like that that down period, doesn't it? Like obviously mm. Wrestle Kingdom's on the horizon. Uh, there's all kinds of year end stuff to come. But yeah, it's definitely a bit of a a low moment. I mean, as far as news stories go, I tried to scrape a couple together. Did you make anything of the uh, WWE's EWR like uh, release day yesterday, where they got rid of? Luke Harper, Sinkara, The Ascension, just chucking a couple of road agents and referees. It's like day two of every EWR game I've ever had. I'd be snapping all those lads up for uh, for EW. Maybe not The Ascension, though. Um, I think Luke Harper's got a... Not uh, Sinkara, like, either. Yeah. Uh, it depends if you start to shoot fight and promotion, then you'd be set. Uh, if you get Sinkara in. He's, uh, he's hard as fuck. Is yeah. he? Put him in the ring with, uh, with Duncan Ferguson, yeah. and that'll be a real scrap. Yeah, he's got. He's, who did he have fights with JP? There was like loads, there was stuff in the observer, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Oh um, God, Simon Gotch wasn't that a big one? Yeah, that was one. Yeah, that that, that was one. It was he was 
because obviously I remember him on NXT mm. when he was in that riding bloody bikes to the ring and dressed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Conan was like the kind of stereotypical vests and white. Lostbury Quest type stuff. Yeah, Lostbury. Oh, wasn't the other fella in, uh, wasn't Tang- Tonga Loa in that tag team? Was he? Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he yeah, was Tonga Loa. Yeah, yeah. That's hell. right. Didn't realise that. God. Um, that was but, wild. That was. Yeah, it, I have to say, those <laughs> those three, in and of themselves, the Ascension and, and yeah. Sing are. Un, un, I didn't know the Ascension was still even a thing. Mm, yeah, well, uh, I, 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 like, you know, the way you can find any opinion on the internet? Like, I, I found this with the Ascension. I literally saw people going, oh, what a wasted opportunity, the Ascension, where, oh, WWE hey. really fucked. It's like. To be fair, when they got to the main roster, they didn't really give them a chance. They had JBL and commentary like, shit into them, but they were shit. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's no, it's no travesty. There are like there's a hundred other better examples of WWE dropping the ball. With people. I think Luke Harper's one. I think he's older now, but I still yeah. think all the wrestlers seem seem to still rate him. I feel like there was not like big money in him, but there was a better level of role for him, wasn't? And you think you think of the of those lot. You know, AW doesn't want to turn into TNA, but. You'd think that's uh, Luke Harper's somebody who might wind up there. I know he's got that friendship with uh, with Muki Garner, um, who's behind the scenes there. Plus, just mm. in general, you know, the, the Cody connection. I think he, I think he's almost like almost definitely going to end up there if it's not maybe Ring of Honor as an outside bet. Got to get that Bray Wyatt stench off himself. Mm, yeah, yeah. Just start start fresh with the uh, with the Brody Lee character, mm. uh, and maybe do something with that. But I do think, yeah, there's legs in that. There is, and and there's a scene out there for him to kind of come in at the top, and even for whatever reservations, it's it's something, isn't it? It's just mm. that I personally don't want to see him go to AEW like straight away. Um, I think that I'd be intrigued to see him in say a New Japan, even mm. as a kind of big guy. Yeah, it'd be um, it'd be that for me would be would be interesting as well. Whether he was able to work something like that, it just feels like AEW in that form of TV in a way. The thing I'd like to see him do is, and I can't, I must confess, I was never necessarily like the biggest Brody Lee fan, but the stuff I saw him do was, was good. Uh, he was very good. He was. Very good. Um, but in some ways, you want to see him come back and have good matches again. I think that's I think kind of... very motivated. To yeah. Do that, oh, so. and I think and I think mm. that'll happen. And like I say, he is that probably that bit older, but he's also in better shape, really, mm. than what he was when he was on the indie scene. Did anyone ever see the Dijak match that Vince apparently hated from Access this year? No, no, but I remember that news story. Yeah, no, I never saw it either. I'm hoping he goes out there and just kills it and has matches like mm. that just to say, you know, oh. Vince, you're a fucking idiot and you don't know what wrestling is anymore. Yeah, he's clearly wanted out for a while, hasn't he? Unlike, mm. you know, the likes of Only Lorcan who kicked up a stink on Twitter only this yeah. week. Like, yeah, I've resigned now. Yeah, there's a Shame. lot of guys like that, isn't there? Yeah, he's somewhat, you know, he came to WXW and he looked motivated. I would have liked to have seen him outside the uh, WWE system in a... In a modern landscape, but Harper does seem to be someone who, yeah, he's stuck. He wanted out for two years, and unlike you know the Sasha Banks of the year, he, he's not someone who's going to go and sign a five-year contract. He's someone who's happy to be out, and he's got is likely going to kill it, or at least attempt to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I think he would. The other one I would say in terms of Hunico as well is, to be brutally honest with you, he'll be without the mask. I don't, I can't really have any outstanding memory necessarily I can't what he looks like, of him. But then again, there's kind of a wide open indie scene for him to go out onto. And I'm not like in terms of like a chance of somebody going out there and doing stuff and being able to get some dates as much as anything else. He'll be able to do that. Zero. Where would be any Zero good? interest. Well, that's it. He'd have to get me interested by having good matches. But there's a scene out there for him to be able to try and do that. 
Yeah, that's it. I think those he's the type of guy they release because they know you know if there's not really money in him is there for, for like an yeah. AEW. They're not they're not releasing the revival. You know they're conspicuous by their absence in this uh, list of people allegedly asking for their releases. They've been uh, smart and who they've kicked out. And I heard, I was listening to Wrestling Observer Live tonight before we recorded, and in between the uh, the Republican adverts and the uh, the adverts for all kinds of medical things and gold and how to write your own book it's a, it's honestly it's a, it's a window into the american psyche if you ever listen to wrestle observer live uh, among all that yeah alvarez was saying that like the thing is about all these guys their contract was pretty much up in three months anyway and they've been released with a three-month no compete so WWE know what they're doing you know what i mean they've got them off the books yeah. and at the same time they still can't go anywhere for another three months but and again it's the safe people that they're that they're releasing because yeah they know what they're doing um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. Like the other news story as well that I made notes of that came out today. And if you've got any takes on this, the uh, NWO and uh, my Twitter enemy Batista going into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, only thing I can say really is that NWO group. There's there's four lads going in. Six is one of them. Sixth member of the NWO, hence his name Six. Also one plus two plus three from the one two three kid name was the other reason he was called Six. Feel like there should be justice here for uh, for poor Jeff Farmer NWO Sting the Giant. Ted DiBiase, none of them well, go well, anymore. All, all I'll say is Kevin Nash is going to cut a better promo the month before when he's in Southampton <laughs> in the venue that my prom was hosted at. So, yeah, that's the main event, not Kevin Nash's second Hall of Fame speech. Yeah. Kind of getting silly but, now, isn't it? They're just like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> like, at this point, like, Sean Waltman, if he goes in as the one, two, three kids separately, he's going to go in the, the WWE Hall of Fame three different times. Like, brilliant. And, poor, and again, poor NWO Sting, Jeff Farmer, can't get him. Get him It'll be people going for 10 schools. rings because of various <laughs> things they're associated with. That'll be Look, flair. You've got to remember, Hogan gave away his first Hall of Fame ring. Oh, yeah. So he does need a second one because <laughs> he's got that first one. You know, he's probably not got that back. Yeah, that's true. He works yeah. there now, doesn't he, as an agent? You know. <laughs> he does. DNA <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's the skipper up to? He looks skipper. Uh, it was fifty. Was it fifteen years ago exactly? JP, you know your TNA history. Yeah, yeah. That he did, he the, did uh, the, um, the cage walk. Yeah, he did the uh, what the hurricanrana off the top of the cage. Yeah, I know that. What's yeah. he up to now? I don't know. Come on, he Monty, was all... not his fucking dad, am I? Monty Brown. <laughs> he looks skipper. Monty Brown retired and became like a personal trainer, I think, or something. Disappeared, along. didn't he? Have to have that little mini ECW runners, Marcus Corvon. Um, Elix Skipper though was like forty at the time when he was in WCW, so he'd be getting on a bit now. I can't see him He's, still wrestling. Elix Skipper is a manager at Applebee's. <laughs> uh, is where he is according to his LinkedIn Get profile. Uh, he was at Moe's Southwest Grill before, eh? for a year. Oh. Uh, Sandy Springs, Georgia. Chick Fil A. Uh, yeah, Chick Fil A was a store manager. Store manager at McDonald's, and then it says professional wrestler. WCW, TNA, Japan, 10 years around the world, professional fighter. Not as much. He's got more about the store manager on his LinkedIn profile than that. Um, and then he was at McDonald's before that as well. <laughs> and he he went to a... Right. Here, on his education, I'm not lying, it says between the year of 1994 to 1994, he went to Hamburger University where he oh. studied business management, business administration and management general. <laughs> Hamburger University. I, is that some sort of McDonald's thing? It's like the University of Life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After the School of Hard Knocks. Exactly. Where you, went. <laughs> you got Adam JP on LinkedIn? 
I've I never fucking use LinkedIn. Who uses LinkedIn? I I've never, never have. It. It's just weird. It's just like incredibly dull social media. Oh, people also viewed. You can see Paul Levesque, regional vice president, then at Crackabout, some bloke called Tim May. It's like interesting is like Stephanie McMahon's LinkedIn profile on it. Has she not, got one? Let's not look at nah, it. Nah, I don't even want to. I don't even. I don't even want to dignify it. Chief brand officer. Okay. Yeah. I know exactly. <laughs> it's horrible, isn't it? So yeah, in case anyone's well, that's what Elix Skipper's up to. He's doing all right for himself. Yeah, I have to be get onto this. Yeah. Look, it's the important stuff we get. To. <laughs> uh, oh, Everything uh, the, we're talking about proper wrestling. Oh yeah. Oh, the, yeah. the one other thing I wanted to mention. Any, any thoughts on uh, Walter losing the NXT UK title and uh, while while he's in America getting it stolen? I'm sure William Regal is having sleepless nights regarding this, you know, but kind of funny. It's a belt. Kind of tells you how much Walter cares for that belt, doesn't it? Of course, Walter lost it. Pete Dunne, oh, I wouldn't let that belt out of my sight. <laughs> a lovely belt, that. Uh, Slip with it under my pillow. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, he, he got... He lost the belt, and I saw like some footage. I'm never watching the Evolve show. We had a match with Tim Thatcher. Apparently, it was very good, but I'll mm. never see it. But he, yeah, he basically wrestled in trunks and no boots. He looked like a big baby. It was, uh, <laughs> he did. It was something else. He did. He looked like that sort of adult baby stuff, just wearing sort of a black nappy. You have a dummy. <laughs> he didn't. But he did have an element of kink to it that I didn't expect to see in an Evolve ring. And he said, Do you know where I can stole that belt? No. <laughs> Roy Knight, I reckon he set up a hit on the belt <laughs> to piss Regal off. <laughs> it's possible, you know. I wouldn't put it past those night lads. Oh, God. Oh, happy days. <laughs> but yeah, like I say, not, not a huge amount of going on like in the, in the rest mm. of the world news-wise. Like that, that's kind of like it as far as what's going on. There's, I think, did you guys watch the um, the Tag League final in the end? That was this weekend. Yes. Like, yeah, really? it wasn't a huge Yeah, I, I I watched it like while I was doing some work this afternoon. I didn't even I didn't even get through the main event at the end. I saw all the big angles. I don't know if you mm. got any uh, big notes on that stuff. Obviously, the uh, the Wrestle Kingdom card has taken shape now. They've uh, pretty much published the full list of matches. What you make of the uh, the final uh, stretch of build uh, going into the uh, the big show of the year? I like the Archer Moxley angle, mm. but that angle to me summed up why. Rules are fucking great, but Texas death matches are fucking shit. Because what we're going to get is a bit of that broil, and then we're going to get the tables out and the mm. the bats and I don't know the stop signs and all the other bollocks that goes with it. Can we just have a brawl? Because mm-hmm. that brawling was fucking great, but that's probably not what the match is going to be, unfortunately. Um, what else do we have? The Ibushi Akada thing. I'll enjoy Green the match. Swatted in with the briefcase. Yeah, I'll enjoy the match. Mm. But I'm, I'm not feeling it as a. As yeah, a, like a, a, like Akada and Ibushi is like this personal blood feud with Ibushi snapping and using weapons and getting violent. It's just not the match for that, is it? Uh, it just mm. feels really odd and out of places. A build. I feel like they're almost. I'm sure they're not scrambling because everything's laid out so far in advance that they, the sticklers aren't they for for their for their book and pattern as it is. But uh, yeah, it just feels like something trying to drag some interest. Obviously, the match is going to be incredible, but like trying some add some interest to the program itself that maybe yeah it doesn't really fit. Yeah, I, I mean that's one of the things about. It. I'm sure when they come out on the night, it's going to feel great because there's going to there's already going to be a big crowd there, so it'll feel somewhat electric, and there'll be a hell of a lot of pressure on them. But 
you know, to have to have that amazing match that, you know, both of them are capable of. Mm. But like you guys, I'm just not feeling the builds at mm. all for this. Like, I mean, in terms of character motivation, it's it's that's not really like if it was just for the belt necessarily, but the kind of the idea of a bushy kind of losing his shit at um, a card and hitting him with the briefcase. I was like, this doesn't need this. Mm. Now, obviously, they'll do some other stuff on the, that run of Kurokan sh- shows that they do, where they do their kind of big dream tags and the build-up to the Dome shows. But one of the overall things I'm noticing, particularly on that night one, like, apart from that Liger multi-man, those other two multi-mans just shouldn't be existing at all. Three multi-mans? Oh, no, it's two, it's two multi-mans. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, th- like that for me. That there, you talk about the cards. Like one of my overall kind of complaints. You mm-hmm. know, me and Joe were talking about it before. And is there some great singles match you you could be having? There's no good reason not to be having Shingo Takagi versus Minoru Suzuki, Suzuki or on Ishii. Or Ishii. Yeah. yeah why yeah, yeah. Why not have that? Mm. How long's the show? For fuck's sake. Suzuki, Ishii, and Shingo don't have a singles match on any of the shows, and there are two shows. I, th- I think, like from that Moxley angle, like the he did attack Suzuki as well, didn't he? I wonder whether they're going to do Moxley Suzuki night two if Moxley doesn't win the belt. Maybe, mm. but still, at the same time, you're right. Yeah, and no big Ishii match. Yeah, it's all. It's like it kind of I, I saw so I'm, I'm stealing this argument from someone I can't remember who it was but I've said for years like whenever I booked uh, WWE on EWR I'd always make Wrestlemania two days I used to be like an advocate for two day Wrestlemania I don't think I would be now with modern day WWE but this is kind of looking at what New Japan have kind of done in stretching it out to, to two days and then throwing in like you say a couple of multi-man matches on day one that could be on a road road two card somewhere yeah it just, yeah, it it just that should be taking place in the Kurokan around. I think it's tw- I think it's the nineteenth through the twenty first, and they do mm. three days. That's where that should be. Mm. It's got no business being on this card. The second day, the January fifth show, yeah, is the stronger of the two. But the thing I'm most disappointed about, to be honest, about the cards January, I think the fifth does look a good show, but mm. that last ever Liger match, what a, what a letdown, what mm. disappointment that is as a last match. We just spoke about three great wrestlers that haven't got matches on that last night. You could have done Liger Ishii. Imagine what a great last match Ishii and Liger would have been. Ishii working his arse mm-hmm. off to take Liger to a classic. Imagine the emotion in an Ishii Liger match. And instead, we've got just some tag match that kind of means nothing. Well, he's got another, these final matches on the fifth. Yeah. But that apparently is going to be, but that's the. No, no, they've announced it. Is it a tag match? It's him and Naoki Sano against Dragon Lee and Hiromu. Yeah. What's that? Oh. I kind of, I, I, yeah, oh, Naoki Sano's like, he's on the spray on the last a, night. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Aliga just doesn't want to work? Like, that's the thing. He's been doing this retirement tour. Like, he's been to the US and been in throwaway tags. You know, these last Corrigan shows, he's just in throwaway tags. Do you think he's just saying no to, like, a a straight singles? Does he just not think he's up for it? It just, it does feel like a missed, like him against Dragon Lee or Hiromu, I'd take as a one-off match. Yeah. Uh, And it's not even just to get Sano on the card, is it? Because he's in the multi-man retirement match on night one. So you're getting his appearance anyway. Just odd. Um, this yeah. should be New Japan's Flair, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I know Flair came back in TNA for the 
for the big bucks <laughs> and all the rest of it. But yeah, this this should have the sort of emotion as a last match, if you ask me, of that match. And someone like an Ishii or an Osprey, imagine one last match, Liger challenging mm. for the Junior Heavyweight Championship against Will Osprey. Will Ospreay bumping his ass off to give Liger a great match as well. It's just, it's just you know, it writes itself, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. It just, to me, this is where New Japan's stubbornness, in the same way Jeremy Corbyn's stubbornness in debates of Boris Johnson, where, you know, his personal pride of doing personal attacks just mm. can't happen. But in fact, a lot of the things that he'd been talking about actually aren't personal attacks. They're attacks on the party and attacks on lies being told by a politician to dupe the public. But for some reason, Corbyn frames it as a personal attack, but it really isn't. Uh, it feels like New Japan has the same sort of stubbornness in many ways, but yeah, it's a real, real shame that we're not going to get a great last Liger match because I've got no interest in either of the matches, to be honest with you. Mm, yeah, that's it. I mean, you're going to get to see him in the ring with Dragon Lee and Romu, but other than that, that's, you know, it's just any other Liger no, tag, isn't it? There's no stakes to it. Mm, mm. I mean, and that's, and this is the thing, this sounds awful being like, I'm sure, I'm looking at like on that fourth. Uh, on that January 4th, like Ibushi Okada, well, you'd imagine would be great. You'd imagine Takashi Osprey. Mm. You'd like to think Moxley Archer, hopefully, if they don't do table shite. I mm. know say Jay White Knight over there. No. I, I, I am reserving judgment and hoping to be pleasantly surprised. I've got low expectations, given what <laughs> Naito's been like. Come on, and the other uh, bloke in the match. Getting better, yeah, but yeah. not. Come on. Although we could end up with that nightmare scenario on the fifth, with you eating a roast dinner watching Jane White become <laughs> double champion in New Japan, I wouldn't put it past them. You know, I could see that happening. Oh, I do, do you know what? So can I. Maybe after that moment, I'll never eat a roast dinner ever again, and I'll never watch New Japan. <laughs> but there's so much. The overall point being, uh, and the fifth looks looks slight. It looks more interesting, but ultimately, they could be putting on with that roster. Take away all that bloody multi-man rubbish. Mm-hmm. You could be having a, some a great depth-worthy card where there's people on that undercard hungry to put on really good matches within sort of ten to fifteen-minute time limits, like Takagi, like Ishii, like um, Minoru Suzuki, and there's no good reason not to do that. Mm-hmm. There really isn't. It's like this is your big fucking show. If you're not doing it there. Then when are you doing it? Is this being safe for what new new beginnings tours in February? Fuck that! Feels like there's not a lot of fresh matchups. Well, there are fresh matchups mm-hmm. there, but they're not doing them, and they've no. not really done them over the last year. This is where the stubbornness yeah, it's been the is. problem. Yeah, it feels a bit like all Japan as you got towards the end of the '90s, if anything, where you've had this great run and this great work rate with these great guys forever, but you kind of don't diversify that. They need like a Vader. So like when Vader made his comeback to mm. all Japan in sort of late 98, early 99, and just had this great run of matches and was a new guy for the kind of four pillars to go up against, if anything. I feel like they need an injection of someone like that, but mm. uh, maybe it's Luke Harper. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it just feels like someone or something needs to be there at this point to give it... Give it that something else that is missing at the moment, and just too much Jay White, if you ask me. Yeah, it feels like they think of like Moxley and Jericho as those kind of guys, but they're just parachuting in, aren't they, for these like mini yeah. programs, and the and then they'll be gone again, won't they? Uh, Say so the, the Jericho Bill with Tanahashi's just been you know your standard Jericho sends in a video stuff, 
he doesn't feel part of the roster anymore. Moxley, you know, maybe he's going to stick around a, a bit longer. And I, 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 I think I'll be the high man on that Lance Archer match, even with the Texas Death Match stipulation. I, th- I, th- I think that'll be strong. I think if they do the Suzuki match on night two, I'd, in, I'd enjoy that too. Um, but yeah, I think they're kind of relying on that to, to maybe bring a bit of freshness to it. But, you know, again, you know, like we've said, over the two days, there are, you know, big high spots in there, you know, Osprey Hiromu. Uh, I like that mm. they're giving Hiromu some matches on the road two cards to kind of, you know, rather than just throw him in there and his first match backs with Osprey, they're actually giving him a little bit to uh, maybe build himself back up. I kind of, I think I like that. I think those two are going to, they are going to kill it. Uh, Okada and Ibushi, they're probably going to kill it. I think I'll really like the Jay White and Tetsu Unito match. Again, might be the high man on this podcast for that. Kenta and Goto, they've built, you know, obviously the match we want to see is Kenta and Shibata, but as far as a sub for Shibata goes, Goto makes sense as a story. Mm. Um, and, you know, as, as disinterested as I am as Hiroki Goto as a person, I do think on that big stage, him and Kenta are going to have a great match. I think we're still going to be talking, you know, when we do the podcast that weekend of, of all these great matches that happened that weekend. It's just, it's the build and the general malaise around New Japan more than anything right now, isn't it? Rather than what that final product will be. Yeah, it's definitely the least excited and the least buzz a Tokyo Dome uh, show's ever had. I'm sure I'll still enjoy them. I definitely mm. think I'll still enjoy them. But mm. yeah, I'm not feeling the usual kind of excitement. I think the absence of Omega as well and knowing that it would have been Omega Naito and then probably Omega Ribushi and Okada Naito on night two. sound better. Yeah. Just, ah, oh, just. Mm. And then when we see what Omega's, you know, doing, <laughs> In AEW oh. against, you know, he faced Kip Sabian this week when he could have been facing Ibushi in a month's time. It's, you know, he's facing a guy who was doing shows for IPW in a venue in Milton Keynes with 100 people mm. rather than a man who's headline of a Tokyo Dome. It just feels, mm. I don't know, I've really missed Omega in New Japan. There's something not been there for me since he's not been there. And what he's doing in AEW at the moment doesn't come close to the level of what he was doing in New Japan for the past few years, but hey, it's a shame. That's a good segue, to be honest, because I was kind of going to talk about (laughs) AEW next. And yeah, like Mox, uh, um, Omega's like, I don't think there was a world where he was going to choose New Japan over AEW, but I kind of wish he had. Like, I think he was so much better, wasn't he, in that scenario where Gaither was booking him and he just had to turn up and wrestle. And he'd have his nights off where he'd do the cleaner stuff and he'd come up with a bin and a brush and he just kind of had to live with it and his, you know, his six-man tags with the books and stuff. But, you know, as far as important programs and stuff and as bizarre... As far as presenting him like a star, like he was ten times. Like, could you honestly say he's hotter now? You know, at this point in AEW than he was at the start of AEW or at the end of his New Japan. Like, it was only this year, January the fourth. You know, it it it, it counted in the twenty nineteen when we started talking about the best matches of the year type stuff. Omega was in New Japan this year, but God, yeah, I, I don't think he could have cooled off anymore um, in AEW. And most of it, I would say, is under. You know his own booking. It's uh, uh, did you listen to that interview we did with the Observer where he was talking yeah. about busy? Mm. Like he's looking after the women's division. He's Asian matches, like and and then when it comes to his own stuff, it just feels like he's just indulging himself in his, you know, that weightlifting <laughs> comedy he was doing uh, with Michael Nakazawa and the just kind of aimless odd matches like you say he's doing. Yeah, he, he's definitely a. I wouldn't say a casualty of AEW in any way, but he's definitely cooled off you know, during this AEW run, and I think a lot of it uh, sits on his shoulders. When I think about January transfer windows, the first sign that comes to mind is 
Fernando Torres from Liverpool to Chelsea. And I feel like Kenny Omega from New Japan to AEW <laughs> has shades of Fernando Torres to Chelsea, but yeah. it just never felt quite right. But he like he got rid of his bleach blonde hair and he went to like the darker yeah. hair looking shell. He just looked like a looked like a different man, didn't he? Looked like a shell of, a, of, of his former self. Yeah, yeah, and he just didn't have the same confidence. He wasn't in the same comfort zone. He wasn't loved in the same way. He had moments, you know, in the new camp when he's I was going mad when Chelsea beat Barcelona, which. Chelsea's face turn that was the Champions League run that season I still hate myself for it but it was uh, but yeah it just feels a little bit like that to me yeah uh, yeah it's a big shame and that interview was kind of confirmation that I don't think we're ever getting what we got in New mm. Japan from Omega because it feels like his kind of priorities have kind of shifted you could argue that he's a generous guy but then I think if he was thinking about it the right way the generosity would be in trying to get the brand over further by being one of the faces of the brand and thinking about his own stuff more. I never thought I'd say this, but I almost feel like he needs to be more Hulk Hogan. Mm, more <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, what have you made the, like the last couple of weeks of AW? Obviously we missed last week. What's like your, you know, uh, how many weeks are we into the, the Wednesday night wars now? Like a uh, About 10. Oh, 10. No, 10. It's just, I think it's eight. Is it eight? Eight, yeah. Uh, no, I think it's more than that. I think it's about it? 10. Yeah, I think uh, it's about 10. I, I, I watch like your, like a temperature gauge, what's your interest level right now on AW? Because it's kind of, in, they're in a weird spot right now. Like I, I would, mm. I would compare them to, like this happened a couple of times. You'll remember JP and TNA's run where they went, you know what? This monthly pay-per-view model doesn't work. Let's, let's go back to, you know, what the, the good old days of wrestling, four yeah. big shows a year, and then we can make the TV more important and the pay-per-views themselves feel more important. And that always sounds really good in principle, but I always think, like, wrestling people just struggle to book when there's not, like, a four, you know, an end goal at the end of the four weeks of TV. Like, yeah. it feels like we're in a weird spot right now where they've purposely done it, and then as far as reports go, I don't think the next pay-per-view is until at least February. Um, but they're kind of treading water right now, and they don't, it just seems a bit, I don't know, everything just seems a bit mismatched. doesn't seem to be a huge, the whole creative control thing, you know, the too many chefs argument that we've made before. It just feels all a bit in an odd place right now, AEW. I'm not saying there aren't great things on the shows and there's mm. a few we can definitely talk about from the from the last two weeks, but just as an overall product, I don't know if it feels the uh, the most cohesive right now at this, uh, this point in the Wednesday Night Wars or a, a couple and a bit months in. That's probably the key point is it's very disjointed as a piece of television. It's not settled down at all. It's not kind of found a format that necessarily works. They're trying to do too much too quickly at times. The things that they're focusing on at points are wrong. It just feels like, and again, we've said it before, it's that clarity of vision that you need. Mm. You need, there needs to be that kind of central figure who can at least knows what the structure of the show is and then can basically edit down the people who are trying to do the booking around the vision. You still need to kind of go through that. Committees, real, really, how often have committees worked necessarily? It's required perhaps on one person and then rotate the book. I always think of it, was it... Um, Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett used to do that. And every six months or so that they would trade the book over because they'd both get too burnt out here. Mm. Everybody's doing it all at the same time. Whereas what they could do with is trying to sort out what kind of show are they? Because at the, at the minute I'm watching it, this last one, I was watching it with Joe and we did take, take a break to stop and watch the debate and basically shout at the television and then went back to watching it again. 
But this one... And then watch Kevin Nash the outside. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Kevin Nash from 1999 WCW video. That was great. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, it, there's stuff on it I like. Hmm. It's not that it's 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 bad necessarily. It's just that they could be doing better by having a kind of clear focus to it and a clear tone because that's the other thing. Tonally, it's kind of all over the shop. And it was summed up in the Cody promo mm. where it's talking about, like, my wife's gone crazy. And you're, like, going, yeah. <laughs> Any particular reason for that? Or is yeah. that just shit that's going on? Yeah. That bollocks can go away. Oh, that's so bad. It's like, because that's the thing, all these characters are kind of based in reality and based in, like, being the elite. Mm. And then, like, Brandy Rhodes is just doing her best Stephanie McMahon impression. Like, as, you know, she's a, she's the corporate brand officer in, in some videos. And then when she fancies the cosplayers, like this demonic stable leader, she does that. And it couldn't have come across faker and she couldn't be worse in the role and nobody's got like the quality control to go you know what maybe maybe that shouldn't be happening on the show maybe you know we shouldn't have that and the butcher and the blade and the dark order stuff all on the same show maybe you know somebody somewhere should be grabbing a hold of this and go we're doing a lot of similar things with all these different acts and most of them aren't landing there's just not that 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 person is there do you remember in that first week, the promo they had before the Guevara-Cody match oh, setting it right. up? Yeah, yeah. Where's that and stuff gone? Where's that stuff gone? Yeah. Mm. Like, that's the thing I was thinking while watching it. It's like, that stuff was genuinely interesting and different mm. from WWE. This stuff, I watched it and I was thinking of WWE. It made stuff feel important, didn't it? Whereas it did. I think there's a little bit of the... I think since Full Gear, because yeah. we're not in full swing of... Uh, pay-per-view season or pay-per-view build it's it's lost something but mm. i think one of the real errors they made and in the moment it was very good and it was pulled off well and it was well executed and i was into it but we did sort of say this at the time imagine if they came out of the pay-per-view with cody and mjf and the tease of a split that could have got them through the next mm. to tv mm. book it like that triple h batista you remember the triple h batista angle yeah it's wrestlemania 21 which mm. I loved. I never expected to love an angle between Triple H and Batista. It was one of my favourite storylines probably ever. I think it holds the buy rate record for them. The WrestleMania 21. Yeah. Yeah, but the build was amazing. And mm. it's the same dynamic as a feud. I know that. Mm. But you could tease this and eke this out for a little while. And I think mm. it would help people's interest. Whereas they pulled it off on the pay-per-view. They kind of rushed it. Did it well, considering. But now we're left in this situation where... They kind of eke it out, but the tension's kind of gone from it. Mm. And I don't think it feels as big as it kind of should have because they've not followed up on it in the way they need to. And I think they thought that, oh, we hold off a few weeks and we'll keep teasing it and mention it. And by the time they, you know, end up confronting one another, it's going to be big. And I hope it is. And I hope that pays off but it definitely feels like it's lost something. And it mm. definitely feels like this should have been the few to get him through. And he should have been turning on him two, three weeks out from the next pay-per-view with anything. Oh, definitely. Like, it's like, um, you know, this week, cause that, that, I mean, the, the defense people will make is that they'll go, you know, well, we're in the middle of a, there's no pay-per-view coming up. You know, the, the Cody's off doing a slightly different program with the butcher and the blade, you know, they'll come back together. It's just, you know, this is, but at the same time, it's like, well, they booked it, didn't they? And they didn't have to go this route. Like, we were the yeah. ones screaming from the rooftop. You know, the whole thing about MJF throwing the towel in was like, 
that angle was built for plausible deniability and you had another month there of MJF denying he did it on purpose and instead they jumped the gun and yeah, you're right, Joe, we're kind of in a, now they're having to like stall for, for time and they're not even doing the stalling very well because it's like last week you needed Co- Cody to come out and cut a program angry about MJF and he came out and he got attacked by the Butcher and the Blade. So that got delayed a week. Then this week he comes out Finally cuts that promo, but he's talking about how MJF's refusing to face him. Like, did I miss something? When does MJF refuse to face him? Like, I've, I feel like there's a step in the story missing. I know MJF cut that promo that I think they put it up on the YouTube. came out that week when Wardlow ah, yeah, I suppose there and all the rest of it but, and didn't get his hands on him. Yeah, but even then he didn't really, you know, that, that got distracted by the whole, you know, the MJF Jericho stuff. Like, it just... There's a quality control that's just missing. And like I say, yeah, this mm-hmm. week, MJF cut a promo. Like, I don't even know if you're aware of it, but he explained the Butcher and the Blade thing and said he paid them off to attack Cody. Yeah, like, why that wasn't was... that on the TV? That's, yeah. that's bad. It makes no sense, does it? Like, I just, you know, next week we're building to, you know, well, you know, this week at time of recording, the Butcher and the Blade against Cody and QT Marshall. You know, get one of uh, Cody's <laughs> mates some, some TV time. But yeah, it's just taking the blue mm-hmm. off the rose a little bit with that with that feud. Uh, and again, I I think I think you probably like you said, Joe. You know, you hope that you know when it comes to it, it'll be hot again. You know, when they do finally fight, when they do finally have the match, probably they'll be able to reignite it again. But right now, it's just feeling just a little bit middling. Uh, don't know where you stand on it, JP. I I it feels middling. I think in terms of a focus, one of the things we were saying as we were watching the show, one of the things that would have been good is a Clash-type show. Mm. Perhaps live Saturday night, TNT, if they could get around to doing it, if at any point, something along those lines. Mm. I think that would have helped, has given them a focus. And perhaps then you can do your kind of matches where it doesn't need to be, I don't know, you could have Jericho versus Phoenix, let's just say for argument's sake, it doesn't need to be up against your kind of top, top stars, but you could do stuff and it would give it that focus because it needs that as well. Mm. And I go back to it. It's the tone. It's the point where they're doing stuff that I will say it looks a bit WWE Mm. and they need to move away from that. Everything else, you need to go away from it because that's the kind of shit that drew off a lot of people. And that's not necessarily the audience that, that you kind of want to be going for. You want to go for something different. There's your opportunity. Plus, at the same time, we mentioned about Kenny Omega at the start of all of this. Crazy, crazy concept of why did Kenny Omega get to be so good? He had great fucking matches. At the very core of it all, there were these great fucking matches, and that's what did it. And like you mentioned about the idea of Ghetto knowing exactly, you just get him into the get him into the ring and, he's, and put him in there with the right opponent with the right kind of direction, he's going to be putting on a great match and he kind of needs that all over again. Just get Cody in there. If you've written him out of the type, just get him as the kind of cohesive, like kind of vision and have him rarely appear or like not so rarely appear, but rarely wrestle. So they become events in and of themselves. But yeah, I think it needs that focus because to me, the more this goes on, the more it kind of feels like he's going off the rails. I'm still enjoying the show. Same. For yeah. some reasons, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not as if I'm not enjoying it each week. I've got criticisms of it. But the, yeah. there's still something slightly fresh about it. Yeah. I do. I, I like the in-ring style. Like, there are things yeah. that are reminding us, like you say, JP, of WWE in terms of the structure mm. um, and some of the stuff that seems to get through and some of the inconsistency and the supernatural bollocks. But the actual style of the wrestling... 
feels mm. a little bit fresher. Some of the matches feel a bit fresher. I love the opener this week. I thought that six-man opener. Mm. It's just a really fun TV match. One of the better TV matches I think I've seen this year, if I'm honest with you. Mm. Um, so there's still some good stuff. Chris Statlander, Hikaru Shida, I thought it was a, a, probably the best women's match at AEW I've certainly seen so far. Omega and so, Pac last week was very good for an 11 minute match for a, mm. for a sprint pack omega match i thought it was excellent mm. it wasn't what i wanted out of a pack omega match <laughs> 11 minute package it was still very good yeah that's the thing i mean I, I think i'm with you on that joe that like i am overall i'm still enjoying it i might not be staying up every week anymore that's kind of dissipated the last few weeks maybe that tells you something i'm watching it the day after instead and getting my uh getting my sleep in instead but like i am enjoying like so many things in isolation it's like I think the best example of that is Jericho. Like every Jericho segment, I love it. Like I love Sorry. it uh, when he when he, you know when he's out there doing the list stuff this week. You know a lot of comedy in it, but I really enjoyed it when he was last when he did the celebration thing last week. I know a lot of people hated it, but oh, I, enjoy, I love that. I enjoyed it for what it was. As that well. was fun. Yeah, yeah, His I, dad was brilliant. I'm surprised, yeah, because because a lot of people hated that, and I, I've seen you know Meltzer and Alvarez argue about it, and lots of people go fifty. I think the dad stuff was maybe a step too far. But I what a reveal of his dad! But his dad was a bit shit. Yeah, he was terrible. I mean, and he, you know, he was like uh, what was Tory Wilson kind of enjoyed Wilson it. style. He was very Al Wilson, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. But I, I think the point I'm trying to get at though is like I enjoyed all those moments in isolation. I just didn't need them on every show. You know, I think they're doing too much of it. I think they know they're onto a good thing with Jericho. And I think he draws, he, he, you know, when you look at those ratings breakdowns over the the two hours, his segments always pop a rating. But I think they may be going to the well a little bit too much. I didn't need it on That's both it. weeks. I didn't need the, the, I enjoyed the celebration, but I didn't need it on the same week that he had the, he had the match with Scorpio Sky in the main event. He didn't need a big ring promo that week. You didn't need the scu dressed up as band members angle that he did you could have just done that straight match uh i don't i think it, it was again in isolation i enjoyed both of those segments so i don't i don't want to you know sound like i'm complaining about what the work that was within them i don't mind the comedy because i think jericho can get people to boom no matter what but it was again it's like a an overall all cni kind of looking over this stuff and going ah maybe we shouldn't do an in-ring jericho comedy segment three weeks in a row maybe it should be you know we'll save one for in a couple of weeks we've got you know eight more weeks of telly or ten more weeks of telly until the next pay-per-view however many it is maybe let's stagger them out that's where you're missing something again you know i'm enjoying the individual segments it's just the overall it's leaving me a little bit cold right now yeah and that's pretty much where it is. Like, I mean, no, I was critical about it before, but this stuff, I'd sooner watch this because there is a different aesthetic to it. And it is really the, the in-ring style feels like it's the kind of in-ring style that should be the kind of normal must across the board now in terms of how, how that's moved on. But like you, it's just the kind of cohesive package. Mm. It bothers me. And then, you know, we, I speak of things that I, you know, rarely get round to seeing, even though it's kind of in front of me. The difficulty is, if stuff doesn't really stand out in this kind of media saturated age, it's hard. You know, you've got to kind of be on the top of your game, but you've also have a kind of element of focus and discipline. And I think they could just do with a bit of that when they're structuring these shows. I'm looking at this last week; they had six matches on it. Did the niece have Nyla Rose leave Bates really and all that stuff? Well, Not it was really. Just a squash, wasn't I know, it? but it it's was, it was there. it's the kind of thing that doesn't necessarily need to be there. It doesn't add anything to it, and it's stuff that could be moved on to dark. I get why you would do the occasional squash on the TV, especially mm. if you're trying to get Nyla Rose over, make her sort of 
someone that the mainstream audience kind of are familiar with as well. I, I get the reasons for it being there. Um, I, I just think at the end of the day, we're all just desperate for this to be good. Yeah. Mm. good. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't NXT, whenever I watch it, it's good. Like the wrestling's always good. The wrestlers are good there, but you know, it's another cynically motivated bit of wrestling from WWE. It wouldn't exist on Wednesday night if it wasn't for them wanting to have a monopoly on all wrestling and distract no. from this. So they've, had, they've had that in the plans for ages. Yeah, it was a coincidence. Yeah. It makes it always you know, it makes a fucking want coincidence. This to be good because I'm so desperate for WWE to fail, basically, mm. and for this to be good because I want a different option to the shite that WWE have presented to us for, well, for how long? F- forever. For the longest time. I can't remember a time when it wasn't shite. Mm. Yeah, indeed. So yeah, that's it. Like, you know, it doesn't, again, doesn't mean we're not enjoying it, but overall, yeah, mm. there's definitely, definitely teething issues there. Uh, I mean, anything else on AEW? Come up? Anything on the, do, do you give any concern to the ratings? I know last week, Thanksgiving, they got trounced by NXT. This week it was, a tie for all intents and purposes. They did. I think as long as they're like the hovering around that 900,000 kind of number, I think. I think all is good. I know. You know. Last week people panicked because they did the what was it six hundred and something thousand. But yeah, no, three hundred thousand on DVR. Yeah, I was going to make that exact point, JP. Yeah, Wade Keller pointed that out. I think he dug those numbers out. That you know, people did eventually catch up. I don't think the signs that. Maybe, you know, people are cooling off a little bit on the product. Maybe you can look at that, you know, that week one number where it was almost 1.5 million and, and kind of go, well, there's been a slide. But I think that the if they're consistently still within that 800,000 to 1 million number, I think all is good in the world. But, you know, maybe a couple of causes to for concern the last couple of weeks. I think I listened to Voices Arrested this week and uh, Joe Lanza put it best when he basically said the AEW audience are younger and they basically have social lives. So when, you know, uh, events in life are going on or... Thanks, night before Thanksgiving culture, where yeah. people are meeting up and going out. Yeah, and, yeah. like people are going to be more prepared to DVR it or miss it for a week because they've got more important stuff going on. Whereas, you know, the WWE audience are 50-year-old incels, um, have their nights for wrestling where, you know, they're very much in tune with their WWE and don't miss the WWE. So I, I think that that's probably part of it. I think it's a younger audience. When you look at the demographic, that tells you you need to know. Mm. And it's probably a slightly more sort of mobile audience who have other interests as well. And, you know, that's not the worst thing, if you ask me. It was a bit of a shock, the dip and the size of it. But, yeah, I'm hoping it's only a one-week blip or maybe if we see a big blip around sort of holiday and events – it kind of tells you exactly what you need to know about that audience. And I think Lanza summed it up best, to be honest. Definitely. Um, well, I suppose moving on from AEW, Joe, in the time since we last recorded, you got yourself to a to a Rev Pro show. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got some of your, me and JP in our group chat, got some of your live thoughts as you were there. Uh, anything much to uh, report from uh, Rev Pro Live at the cockpit last Sunday? Yeah, bad show. Wasn't good. Um, mm. Boring. Really boring. Um, I can only think of one other show I've ever been to with the cockpit that I would consider kind of close to as boring. Uh, maybe two. The Queen of the Ring show this year, but there were a couple of decent matches on there. 
and the show after Royal Quest this year, which I don't know if I was just burnt out on wrestling by that point and annoyed that the New Japan style we got was Sonada. Um, and I think we're going to be getting more of him in Rev Pro as well, yep. which is... He's winning that belt at WrestleMania. Oh. It's happening. We just all need to live with it. Him I and think... Evil trading the belt for the rest of the year. That's what we're getting. I think the death of the uh, moniker that I never gave to myself... <laughs> uh, That's my fault, though. <laughs> ...may coincide with... Uh, the prominence of Sonada in Rev Pro. So you'd have to find a new name for me if oh, you're dead. No. Sub into hashtag. Rev Joe is uh, dead. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, was, it, was it that bad? Progress Joe. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, w- 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 so was the show that bad? The cockpit show, Joe? I was surprised cause, to hear you say that. Like, uh, what was different about it? What was the. It was just dull. Um, I'm trying to think of what was even on there off the top of my I head. I find most of the cockpit shows dull myself. So I, like, I think that's watching it bad. I could see why you would watch it bad, but being there live, it's usually usually quite immersive, usually quite easy to watch. Um, the sound of the wrestling is usually good. Um, the, the problem with this one, I thought, was the second half of the show, the style was too samey. Hmm. So you had three matches where you had um, like New Japan young boy talent uh, sort of in the last three matches. So you had Hikaleu against Carl Fletcher, uh, Shota Amino against My Mind Has Gone Blank, <laughs> sorry, and Rennerita against um, Michael Oku. Hmm. And the style was all very samey. It was Carlos Romo against Shota Amino. Hmm. And it felt like it was very much reflecting that sort of New Japan young boy style, the guys trying to get comfortable working in a different environment against a different style of opponent. And every single match went way too long. Hikaleu versus Carl Fletcher was like 19 minutes something. Close to 20 minutes. Who wants to watch a 20-minute Hikaleu match? Do you want to see that? No. No, exactly. It just wasn't entertaining Kyle Fletcher was working his ass off to be fair to him and I think Hikaleu has got better but it just wasn't great and then the Carlos Roma match was a little bit samey as well against Shota Amino like I think Amino's got some presence I think he's good I think Narita's good the Michael Oku match came after the slog of that Hikaleu Kyle Fletcher match. And it went came to the ring at half eight. So this show had already gone over as well. And it hadn't gone over for it even that was any good. Mm. So that kind of took me out of it. The match I was really looking forward to, which was the Curtis Chapman and Dan McGee against uh, Mike Bailey and Mal match, was okay. But as much as I understand why Curtis Chapman has gone full shtick and is getting the mad Kurt stuff over, I completely get it. Yeah, it's getting over, isn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah, and, and fair play to him because it's working. What I realised was I like it, but I don't like it for an entire match. And it took me out of the match completely because it became far more sort of comedy-based. McGee kind of took a back seat and was just there. And it sort of summed up to me that McGee hasn't sort of gone all in and he hasn't really advanced. And a couple of years ago, I thought he had massive potential, but he doesn't really seem like he's taken it fully seriously or invested himself or backed himself, which is a real shame because I think if he would have gone all in the brawling style after those wild brawls with Josh Bowden, someone would have come from this. And he was just kind of the fourth man in this match mm. and kind of lost in there doing this kind of more sticky style that Bailey and Mal seem very comfortable with. And yeah, the Curtis Chapman stuff is funny, but it's very much meme wrestling. 
and that stuff isn't for me this is where the kind of generational issue is if anything when bailey and mel are working and they're on a big fan but when it comes to just doing pure shtick and meme stuff ah you lose me mm. and when you're doing 15 minutes of that i'm lost completely and then we had this ah oh, what was that tag team called pretty deadly <laughs> and afterwards honestly I was like, what the fuck is this? It was like a cross between a gimmick from Made in Chelsea cross with Charles and Eddie. Do you know Charles and Eddie? No. You know um, uh, that song? Would I lie to oh, yeah. you, oh, baby? Yeah. Would I lie to <laughs> you? Oh, yeah. That song, yeah. There's <laughs> the closing thing. The way they came out reminded me of the video to that oh. song. And I was like, if they watched Charles and Eddie in Made in Chelsea... And just hybridized both of them and created this gimmick. I was not a fan. I was oh, not no, a fan no. of Homo. After all that build, after all that, every time we thought you'd seen them and you hadn't seen them, and it was the pretty bastards or it was the bastard pretties or whatever that other team was. And you know what? All side. of the other bastard, pretty, deadly <laughs> sinners, they were all better. Oh, no, no, Joe. I've got no interest in these guys. It looks, <laughs> oh. like, it looks like it's going to be more shtick and meme bollocks. And I really. I mean, I've only seen them twice on progress shows, and to me, they were just like a undercard heel pretty boy team. Like, that's... I don't know if they were doing anything different on this Red Bro show, or... Uh, look, mate, I don't like Made in Chelsea. <laughs> I like the Charles and Eddie song, and I like the song on the they've got on the True Romance soundtrack as well, uh, Wounded Bird, when um, Christian Slater and... Uh, whichever Arquette sister it is, has sat on the uh, rooftop of the comic book shop. Cracking song for a cracking scene, that. <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, this gimmick is not for me. Not for me at all. And Made in Chelsea has to be up there with Love Island and Towie is one of my most absolutely disliked programs. And you say, oh, heat. Nah, not at all. Turn me off. I, I'll, I'll go for a piss during their match at the... Uh, York Hall show, I think, or go for a pint over at the Dundee Arms or something because, nah, um, I probably won't do that. I probably will stay and watch the match. But <laughs> yeah, not for me, Benno, not uh, for me at all. Sad to um, hear it, the, the one highlight of the card, um, which kind of had a bit of a non ending, was the absolute wild brawl between some true beefy fuckers, as JP likes to say. Uh, and that was the Legion of Lords match. Um, against the Kings of the North and Dan Maloney. That was wild, and I like the Kings of the North in Red Pro. They were killing themselves to get over here. They were working proper. Good. And mm. also, what I like about the Kings of the North is they look like proper blokes. Like They look like... A couple of big hard lads. Yeah, they look mm. like grizzled like, sort of blokes who've yeah. just been down some pub in, I don't know, on Sandy Row in Belfast or something. <laughs> like They look <laughs> fucking hard. And odd they were here. Shah Samuels, unfortunately, I think got a concussion and was mm. coughing up blood and all sorts at one point. And they had to abandon the match. It was really quite worrying. I'd never seen Shah Samuels like it before, uh, but apparently he's all right. But yeah, the match was uh, was good fun. Um, Rampage Brown, I've enjoyed in this role. Great O'Khan was great. I think I've got a sneaky feeling the Great O'Khan's family were in the crowd. Because uh, there was a woman and a little kid, Japanese kid going absolutely mad for the great Okan, mm. taking sorts of pictures of him. So if they were his family, the great Okan kind of mystery tour 
continues, if anything. So, yeah, the myth just grows bigger. <laughs> the legend grows bigger. I was having a look, just having a quick look on Instagram and seeing what he's been up to. I had a look. I couldn't see any family pics on there after. So I was like, is that his mum? If it was his mum, she looked a bit like Antonio Inoki. So <laughs> I'm wondering if, yeah. Yeah, great. Antonio Inoki's his granddad, possibly. You never know. He's, he's taken a picture of a, a letterbox here. He likes a letterbox. The post in England is similar to the old post in Japan. Oh, yeah. And then there's a few of the, the Japanese ones that he's taken from That's Google Images. Nice. A few man-owl cover. Man-owl cover again. Um, <laughs> Portsmouth. One comment. Someone who just put a thumbs up. To oh. it. It's clearly a big ant. Yeah, he's, he's hashtag manhole, hashtag manhole cover, hashtag manholes, hashtag manhole covers, hashtag manholestagram, hashtag manhole covers of the world, hashtag great Okan, and many others, and some in Japanese. You carry on, great Okan, you brilliant man. Uh, <laughs> but you're not paying for that photo until he turns in, until he's headlining that dome. That's the deal that's been said. Look, if he's the grandson of Enoki which I'm going to start spreading. Uh, he's headlight in Tokyo Dome. He'll get his money. He'll get his money then. Oh, oh a man of my word. Uh, but yeah, Rev Pro at the moment for me, I've lost a lot of interest, um, if I'm honest. there's just feels like a real gap about David Starr there, about El Fantasma there every month. Guys that were kind of keeping this promotion going, keeping these cockpit shows going. They were good replacements when the likes of Marty and well, Zach stopped appearing on shows so much at the cockpit earlier uh, this year for, for Zach, that is. But yeah, at the moment, I, yeah, I'm not feeling it. It wasn't a fun, it wasn't a fun show for me at all. And I was kind of glad to get out of there, to be honest with you. So won't be renewing the season ticket. Your call next week is looking mm. underwhelming, to What's say the least. Pack Michael Oku is kind of the only match that I'm, I find yeah. I'm really interested in. Mm. Suzuki and Zach against oh, yeah, yeah, Evil yeah. and Sonada. I can't think of a bigger waste of than Zach that. and Suzuki. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. When was the last time Zach defended his belt on a York Hall show? March against uh, no a York Hall show. Fuck before well, fuck, that. I was there in March, wasn't I? That was Manchester. Yeah, yeah. I think the last time he defended the belt was. Uh, at the Manchester show against Sonada way. Um, but before that, the last defence on a, on a show before that was against James Mason at the cockpit. Fuck. That's, that's unforgivable. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah, I'm you know, really not into it at the moment. No, I think it is, Joe. I think I think I will, I will trace this timeline down to the day Josh Bosom left Rev Pro. I think that's what it is. I think you're yeah. Josh. Yeah, I'm going to say it. He's a twat, and he kind of deserved what he got. Yeah, it's. But there is a Bodum hole on those cockpit shows as much as there mm. is a, like I said, a El Fantasma and David Star hole. Yeah, that without mm. a doubt, he brought something different to the table. As much of an arsehole as he was, he brought something unpredictable to the table as well. And his matches always got over. He was always entertaining. And you know what? If I was to make a list of my top five wrestlers in British wrestling the last five years. Josh Bowden would be in that top five, I think. Oh. So he well, he's, he's had some great matches and I'd been go, there for loads of them. Osprey, Zach, Marty, Tyler Bay, Bowden. There you go. Controversial. <laughs> I think you're, I think you're on an island there, Joe. But I respect your dedication uh, to the. I'm bed. going purely yeah. British. I'm not going, you know, like David Stars and uh, guys who've been over here on sort of long stays. Now, for me, it's a bias thing because I've seen so many Josh Bowden matches yeah. live. Devlin's amazing, don't get me wrong, but just because of 
the regularity and the consistency of his matches on a, on a live level and how over he got and also how much of a dick he was and how, how much That's he stood it. out because he was such a dick. Hmm. Um, there's no dickishness there anymore, unfortunately. It's a pretty lacklustre rest of the card, isn't it, for your call? Because, I mean, I'm at the point where it's on the same day as Arsenal, Man City. And after tonight, with that 3-1, which <laughs> I have to say, the good part of that game coincided with us having, like, watching the game on Joe's Mac, MacBook, and then us putting the uh, Stephen Flutter shake sham match went on. As soon as it happened, Arsenal turned brilliant. Three goals in nine minutes. But wow. Flood is a lucky champ. I was going to say that Maybe was you it. don't need to get David Moyes in after all, JP. Maybe oh, you're going to be all right. Get Flood Floody Lungberg. That's what it is. <laughs> um, then for the rest of this, sorry, yeah. So this is the card Like that would be the thing that would entice me away. Like Other than Pakoku, mm-hmm. looking at Suzuki gun, Evil Sonata, El Fantasmo, TJP. Apparently he's having some great matches, TJP, but it's still not Where's selling me. great matches? Well, apparently in the in the US on the indie scene. All right. I've not seen any of them. I've never been into him. He's I good. just don't think... Never he had a good him. cruiserweight classic, didn't he? Mm. Yeah. Um, then he got the Legion versus Kings of the North, which could be fun if it's allowed to be a wild brawl. Giselle Shaw Shanna, I'm... Uh, I'm sure that'll be all right. Uh, it should be. Oh, you're kind of willing it to be right, but then how much you get into the how good is Tessa thing uh, like yeah, you were yeah, saying yeah, about yeah. In, on the cockpit show. Mm. Uh, Moonlight Express, pretty deadly, which... Sounds great, mate. It does. Sounds brilliant. Um, <laughs> Six-man scramble on this. Was it Carl Fletcher, Dan Maloney, Ricky Knight Jr., Carlos Romo, Robbie X, and Sensor Volto? That'll be fun. Wild, well, you'd a- imagine. Yeah, Robbie think, X looks good over the last this sort is the of few most months. Thrown together, your call, but it's cards, yeah, Shoutroom and Ohikaleu. It's just like kind of there. They're isn't relying it? on the kind of hype that Pack and Oku got yeah. from a sh- that was in front of two hundred people. Yeah, that won't be on. Is it even yeah. on VOD yet? I know they got the Southampton show quickly. Have they put the cockpit up? Yes, I think the Jacob. Uh, show. No, I'm talking about the copy match between Pack and Michael Oku. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which Sorry. they got hype from, mm. which I even did well on VOD. Mm. But obviously, they followed up on it the J Cup. They're kind of relying on that and then having these mm. new angles on top to draw. But, you know, every time you bring, and Suzuki, I love, and I do think Suzuki is a draw to a certain part of the crowd. And I'll always get a show to Suzuki on because he's one of the best live wrestlers I've ever seen. But, you know, there's diminishing returns, surely, with Evil and Sonata at this point. Mm-hmm. They never deliver. They have never, ever delivered on one of these York Hall shows, on that Brixton show a couple of years ago. Mm. They mail it in. And Sonata, you know, I watched that Tag League final yesterday. I like Juice Robinson. I think Dave Finley's all right. I was kind of bored watching the match. Sonata mm. gets the award for the most boring wrestler of the year for me. Yeah. Fundamentally sound, but just... Yeah, like I like like you said, I was there in the building for that that match with Zach, and I can't remember a thing about it because I was bored, I was bored out my mind even there live. Uh, yeah, Sonata or Josh Bodum? <laughs> I'm like, you know, Bodum Suzuki. I'd take that again. I'd, oh, I'd be up for them to interact yeah. again. Oh, God. <laughs> <Fuck> yeah. <laughs> Bodum is a cunt. I will just clarify. Yeah, that. We, we're not Bodum advocating the human being get booked. We're no. just saying, as far as interest, I mean. One thing I would say is that you list that card off, you know, TJP is your big import. Like, it, there's, I think that the big problem with Rev Pro, like, I just don't think Andy Coulden watches 
enough wrestling or has the right scouts mm. out there. Like, I like Ricky Knight Jr. And it sounds like he was all right on that cockpit show. Yeah, he was. But, you know, like, Robbie X sounds like he did all right. But as far as, like, a, a strength of depth of, you know, spotting these rough diamonds, he's not the best. Like, even, like, names, you know, you bring over a TJP, you fly in him. Like, did you, I mean, JP will know this, like, over the last, like, couple of weeks, I think MLW stole Red Pro's graphics guy because they kept tweeting this photo of, like, this upcoming cup they've got, and it looks exactly yeah. like a Rev Pro graphic, and every the time... Yeah, every time there's a picture of Filthy Tom Lawler, I thought, oh, yeah, oh, no, he's not coming to Rev Pro. This is the MLW graphic again. Or they tweet one of LA Park, and they go, oh, no, no, maybe not. Like, even guys like that, they're the, like, I just don't think he's got his finger on the pulse as to who's interested. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would have expected fucking Matt Seidel to turn up again on this on this show, <laughs> show for all. I've got the faith in the, the, the guys that, like, Rev Pro seem to be booking at the moment, like, you know, I feel that's on law. Like he was over for PCW and they didn't use him. Like I think he was as bemused as anybody over that. And it just, yeah, I just don't and think they've. Wilkins an observer subscriber as well. Mm, and he knows. It? He knows about Tom Lawler. He was a UFC fan. Mm. He went to UFC shows in Vegas. Look, I sort of think that Quilden's probably taken a similar trajectory as me, where I love wrestling. I always will. I still watch a lot of wrestling, but. I can't just watch wrestling. I can't just dedicate my my personal interest to wrestling. I know wrestling's his job, but there's a lot of other stuff that goes with that job in terms of what their business is and what they do. And it feels like he's dedicating less time to mm. actually scouting the wrestling scene. And you know, I sort of get it. I've I've become very is that where the olds come in in the south side, and that's where yes, and that's yeah. why I imagine you got Robbie X and Ricky Knight Jr. in particular. Yeah. Um, and Moonlight Express. I think he feels quite disillusioned with British wrestling generally at the moment. And, yeah. you know, from my personal point of view, I get that because I feel exactly the same. Well, he's of all of the, like, and then t- there was a list that Brit Away days, days did of, of all of the British promotions that stopped. And obviously there's a multiple reasons for lots of them. But you would, one of the things I would say is that of the promotions that kind of felt directly under assault, Ref Pro is kind of one of the ones who, who directly felt it. Ah, they've had enough time. To, I, I, but I don't know, JP. that's Come it. On. No, no, no. But that's uh, that's where this. But that's where the sympathy kind of ends because they've had a long time, and there yeah. is that point where you needed to start recognizing what the situation was and start rebuilding that card. Then we're talking sort of twenty, what twenty eighteen. Mm. Them to start yeah. doing yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. like there has been plenty of time. Like, I, I don't, like, that's not there. But, like, the idea of trying to go, okay, so who are we going to be able to use on the US Indies that's going to have that kind of buzz? Um, it'd be funny if you booked in Nick Gage, for example. We'd all be there for that. <laughs> Can you get we? in the country? That's the problem there. That's... You know Fight Club Pro would have booked him already if you could get him. I'm sure so David Starr pretty categorically said he could get in the country. Get him in. Yeah. There you go. If you're going to do meme wrestling, Nick Gage is your man. I'd take that. That's the kind of meme wrestling I'm into. I'd have been up for Bodum Nick Gage. <laughs> Teach him a lesson. Shoot fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Worry about what would happen in that match, though. I think someone would get a fucking knife. <laughs> they would do. Yeah. That's, that's one of my biggest regrets. Like, have you seen the... Um... The, the the list of like shows for Mania next year and it's like it's a mm. it's a who's who of you know just random ass stuff with like just everyone's got a gimmick show Effie's got a show you know like Warhorse or whatever his name is has got a show like everyone everyone's got the personal show and I've been asking for it for years Nick Gage's knife fights 
I want it. Rest bucket WrestleMania weekend. If you're gonna go overboard with the Janela impression shows, that's what I want. I want to see. I want to see a Nick Gage curated show. I think that's the way to go. Yeah, God, yeah, be well up for that. But that's that, that's just the pattern it's going down, isn't it? Of the of all of these seeming like much of a muchness. It looks like shit that weekend. It doesn't look great, does it? Yeah, yeah. It's been a show of positivity this today, lads. But yeah, it's like, it really has. It, it does look great, though, does it? Like when you think gonna... of that meme wrestling, I think of <laughs> a thing that I occasionally bring up to Joe at work, but I brought up on here once, which is problematic pro wrestling. Where you just hire some of the just the worst bastards in wrestling and put them on a card. Mm. In some ways, I'd, I'd even be half interested in I'd watching like to that. Just import an entirely woke audience to watch it as <laughs> yeah. well. I'd like to get the PW girl gag in. Remember that thing <laughs> oh, years ago? and just watch them kick off and watch the wrestlers get the, the ring and just, just kind of put it to them like because <laughs> they just don't give a fuck. It would be hilarious. Tracy Sam Man has cancelled JP. Oh. He's That's a the- surprise. I, I'm shocked at that news. <laughs> Did you not expect Sandman to be woke? No? You thought he'd have like, insightful opinions on women's wrestling? It's like when uh, Sabu got cancelled. It was like, come on, lads, see, like 20 years later. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah, he had. I mean, I don't know if you saw that Teddy Hart's gone from MLW as well. They're just, they're just you know what? They're, they're just getting out the way before it comes out that he pil- killed that poor girl that went missing. I. Oh, you read the way the route it goes down, and it, it goes down to all kind that's of manner. That's a dodgy fucker. Like that's dark a bad fella. Shit. What's this? Oh. Are we Teddy, allowed to say this? Are we yeah. doing anything? No, it's a bollocks. I don't care. You know? I'll say it. Like Teddy yeah. Hart, like he had like this girlfriend. I think she was involved in wrestling, and she, she just was. disappeared. She's just gone. No one knows where she is. A mother of three? Is that right? Yeah. Something along those lines. She's yeah. disappeared. He's been linked with sex trafficking. Obviously, we Teddy grow- Hart. Mm. Yeah, there was some story about appearing in quite <laughs> was, extreme sort of oh says, what was it like kind of oh, like yeah. kind of simulated asphyxiation yeah. like chloroform well, like, films for private people and, and the there's rest all that stuff out about him like true but wasn't he living with a pedo or something chasing rants yeah yeah and he's like, all over this story as well <laughs> chase he went on like twitter or instagram or whatever and was like oh you know i, I used to know chasing rants but i don't speak to him anymore and like two hours later chasing rants is wrestling school put an instagram story up and teddy hart was at the wrestling school like that dude's just gone like do you know yeah. i met teddy hart once at wrestlemania 24 in the crowd how oh, was he weird and he was <laughs> i was like teddy and we had a little chat, and it, uh, like, it was just awkward and weird. Uh, I don't know what he was doing there. And then when Triple H came out, he was going absolutely mad. He didn't react to anyone else the entire night except for Triple H. And I was like, is he trying to get him to see him in the crowd so we can like try and get signed or something here? It was very he odd. Turned up, he was on Total Divas once, wasn't he? And he was just billed as like Natty's friend, Ted. Like, he didn't even like. What? I don't think they acknowledged that he was a. Heart. He'd alive in that show up, wouldn't he? Bloody hell! <laughs> I think he only did the one episode. I'm pretty sure I remember seeing like the screen grab. Uh, that might be one to dig out. But yeah, I told that story when I did the uh, the podcast with WH Park. Like I was when I went on to one of the Ring of Honor shows in America. I was supposed to stay at Green Lantern fans' house. Mm. And he, uh, he cancelled on me last minute so Jack Evans and Teddy Hart could stay there instead. Oh, the hijinks we could have got up to if I'd uh, stay there that night. Or, or actually, maybe I should thank I was going to say, you best well clear of all of that. That'd, oh. have, been, that'd have been scary for me. That's like, a, he's, a he's, he's, he's wild, that bloke. Like, yeah. if you see some of the stuff with him, what he's doing on that. In fairness, though, again, in MLW, was kind of fun. I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did. 
Well, there's another man for problematic pro wrestling. Oh, God, yeah. Go. Bring him in. Jim Cornette on commentary, you know. Because, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that is, you know, one post. Zoom off, commissioner. We're, we're, we're going to talk. <laughs> you always got to get book Zoom off, in, don't always. you, Nathan? Always. He's a despicable human being. Like, genuinely despicable. <laughs> Did you watch one of his shoot interviews? I tried to. He's a liar. I'll say that much. Is okay. It? Yeah. In front of a jury of his peers, his story went to fucking shit. Uh. <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there. All I was going to say was, you know, we've been very negative, but like I would say it's positive, and we're going to go into it in more detail mm. next week because we're doing a shorter than normal podcast this week. I'm looking forward to the NWA pay per view next week. Like that's a that's a positive for me. Mm. I think my, my interest levels in the TV show itself, uh, you know, maybe not what they were week one. Uh, they obviously had the uh, the Cornette controversy where he uh, rightfully got sacked after he. You know, made a, a comment that I don't think he intended to be racist, that whole thing about um, strapping fried chicken to someone's back and making them go through Ethiopia. Like, yeah. It was like the most 70s starvation well, uh, yeah. humour. Mid-80s joke. That, Garbage. Yeah. Like, it, that's just Jim Cornette. And it, it's going to happen at some point. You hire Jim Cornette, you're going to get one of the best wrestling commentators around, but you're also going to get that stuff. Uh, the problem is he never uh, really kind of apologised on his podcast. I, I did listen, but he doesn't. Yeah, he's not someone who's going to grovel, um, and he's not someone who's going to just you know, just do what the what a normal human being would do and come out and just outright say, you know apologize uh, and explain that he didn't intend to be racist. But even then, I think his uh, his issues in the you know the tape out there of him being outright racist in the eighties and nineties. Uh, I think people people have only I think you give everyone a chance, but I think Jim Cornette unfortunately is a painter's bridge with everybody. But that kind of thing happened, and then they had like a clip show last week, and then this week they kind of owned, they had a weird thing where they like kind of said thanks to Jim Cornette at the end of the show. Like they had mm. all this slow music, like Cornette had died. And it was yeah. like, oh, lad, you didn't need to, you didn't need to do. And then they put like a tweet out about it, thanking Cornette as well. It's like, you're just attracting like the, the people who are going to come out of the woodwork and give you grief here. You need to just distance yourself from that stuff. So they've had a bad couple of weeks. They've not covered themselves in glory. This week's show was kind of like piecemeal, you know, bits of, Cornette celebrating in the ring with the Rock and Roll Express and then weird promos from like the kitchen of Magnus and James Storm. But at the same time, the pay-per-view itself, I am looking forward to it. I think they've done a good job of building up whoever this question mark bloke is. Aldous and James Storm should be, you know, for a match with Nick Aldous and James Storm, you know, I, I am somewhat interested in that. They've got a, you know, they've got Tim Storm out there as like the guest referee. Uh, Aaron Stevens is the most interested I've ever been in in him mm. uh, as a wrestler. I don't know if you've been keeping up with it, JP, but I think it'll be a fun pay per view to watch on. Only the last, I'm only the last more, to, more than final battle on Friday. I will say that. Yeah, God, yeah, that final battle show just looks fucking horrific. Um, I'm fascinated to see what the crowd is or whether or not doing well. Ring of Honor is imploding. All I say about that is that's not a bad thing. My only interest in final battle is let's get Marty out of there immediately. Yeah, I think and then may, maybe if they go under because the way they're being run is an absolute shit show. But in terms of NWA, I saw the last week sort of in preparation for the for the pay per view. I, I found it again to be quite an easy watch. I thought the Cornet stuff was weird, like you did. I was like, right, he's making out he's died. I suppose <laughs> that's a very sort of Bobby Ewing way to try and get out of a out of a out of a situation when they could have just edited it out first time around if they've been doing their fucking jobs. But mm. he was, like you say, he was always likely to do it. He loves playing the kind of contrarian as well and saying dickish things for, for kind of, he, he, he does that. That's just, 
the deal with him. In terms of the rest of the show, I, I did like that rock and roll winning the titles. I thought that was quite fun. I'm I'm intrigued by the card and the presentation. And um, I'm sure it will be, I'd like to think it'll be an easy watch. How good the matches are is going to be really the question mark because that rock and rolls match wanted about, what, four minutes? Mm. Something like that. And then it was like longer in the postering afterwards. So, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Got to be careful what you do with those guys. But yeah, definitely more likely to watch that than the WWE or ROH pay-per-view next weekend. Um, well, yeah, unless there's anything else, anything you guys want to talk about? Anything you're looking forward to, Jab? Um, I'm not looking forward to the Tory majority on Thursday. <laughs> Get out and vote, everyone. If you learned anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, vote not Tory. Yeah. Hold your nose if need be. There's a mm. bigger issue at stake. My entire life, my entire political life is based on not voting for the Conservatives and keeping them at any fucking cost. Mm. That's that's my attitude towards politics generally. I hate that party and despise that party and despise even more what it's become under the leadership of Boris Johnson, the stewardship of Dominic Cummings in the background. Go the way the BBC this. have acquiesced their yeah, the role BBC during this whole bloody thing. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist like that, but they've been a fucking shambles. Yeah, Laura, like, what's her name's fucking crap, ain't she? Coos, but like it's, well, because he's just getting secret brief- briefings from Dominic Cummins all the time, repeating verbatim what that shite hawk says. <laughs> honestly, the, the mistakes they've made, which coincidentally always seem to be mistakes that hinder the Labour Party and are to the advantage mm. of the Conservative Party, there have been too many of them. Think about Ken Clark, for example, saying he wasn't going to vote Tory. That didn't get any play, did it? But Ian Austin, mm. some backbencher, I think, had a cabinet position under the Blair government, for rightly, saying that, you know, he's not going to vote for Corbyn. Oh, that got loads of play, didn't it? Of course it fucking did. <laughs> nice. Last debate, they're bringing up four-day weeks and all the old kind of tropes of, like, oh, the, the kind of standards, like... Are you going to have a four-day week? You're going to nationalise absolutely everything. It was just like, just scare tactics. And the four-day week and has this been is... explained, and they need to explain it clearer. And I know it's not in the current manifesto, is it? But the thing with the four-day week, ah, oh, four-day week. You think four days? I'm going to work five days. Well done to you for wanting to work for. <laughs> and leave your family in neglect and not think about your work-life balance where you'd earn the same as what you would for five days for working four days. Because well done for you to want to self-arm by self-arming by voting the Conservative Party and disadvantaging everyone and also self-arming by voting the Conservative seven years. Yeah, so you can, Benno, you can tell that my mind isn't really on wrestling. Wrestling is very secondary at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I would love to come back. It'd be that, I'll tell you what, if you'd, if there was a chance of not a Tory government, and I'll take that at this stage, whatever form that takes, you'll hear a happy fucking podcast next week. <laughs> you'll hear an is, overjoyed podcast. The thing is, that's, that, it's not going to happen because no. Jer- Jeremy Corbyn doesn't watch the Queen's speech on Christmas Day, so... You Christmas know. morning. <laughs> the problem with that was Neither I watched that interview. He spoke in, within like the same sentence about how he often goes to a homeless shelter and helps out on Christmas Day. And then the right wing press are there going about he doesn't watch the Queen's fucking speech. But he's talking about how he goes to a homeless shelter. Like to me, that entire thing sums up the problem of the right wing press. They've taken nice acts, deeds, looking after those that you know are less privileged and don't have a home on Christmas fucking day 
over well they've neglected that and it's all about him not watching the queen's speech a queen who gave birth to a son who has let's be honest been up to some disgraceful activity yeah and look at jeffrey epstein's death as well that's suspicious isn't it so yeah <laughs> should we go down and, like cover up sort of... <laughs> we call yeah, this podcast epstein didn't kill himself is that where we're going now oh i don't know about that it might get done <laughs> Libel shit. Yeah, <laughs> we might have to go with Duncan Ferguson instead. Look, we might have a CIA knocking <laughs> an eye or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rev Joe is dead. Is uh, he? I was never alive. It was never a real creation. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Again. Construct. <laughs> What's a construct? Something I never refer to myself as. So, yeah. <laughs> oh well, we got it over anyway. But uh, anything else before we go? Uh, <laughs> politics or otherwise? JP, you should plug. Uh, you were on BWE last week. You were fucking brilliant. While I was yes. in I was you, a, I was a, you and James are going back and forth on Irish breakfasts. That's I, the kind uh, of content that people want. I absolutely love listening to that thing. It, on my if for your flour-based content, content, it was all. It was. It was awesome. I think we spoke about the. Um, Monster hurling fine club hurling final with Bally Gunner, which unfortunately lost to a team from Tipperary. Good stuff though, according to my brother, who was who was at that. Um yeah, it's been a lack of Troy Parrott came on and made his debut this week. So <laughs> he came on against under um, Mourinho. Under Mourinho oh, gave him the out. match ball at the end of the game. Is Mourinho feeling all right. He's got faith in Troy, as we should all have. Wow. There's been times I've nearly doubted him. And I've Don't dropped him Connolly in my fantasy league team, but he's he's doing all right. He's part of the Mourinho rehab effort. I have changed. I now play young players. I'm all right with that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, a, there's an interest in that. But yeah. Yeah. Troy Parrott, follow him. Maybe get him in your fantasy league teams. Otherwise, I'm, I'm on BWE. At some point in the near future, I don't know when it's going to be, probably not for a few weeks yet, I'll be on the um, W8 Park uh, Thunderstruck Juice and Liger series. Awesome. That Coming up in a few weeks, but I'll, I'll go into more detail nearer the time. Otherwise, follow me on Twitter at JPJP. Three E's. Awesome. I look forward to, to listening to that. And also, you know, just on the BWE point, uh, this Friday, there's going to be a special episode of that out. James mm. managed to score himself an interview with David Starr. Uh, the news of that uh, just came out as we've been recording tonight. Honestly, I've heard it. Listen, uh, David Starr is not afraid to talk out of turn. And a lot of the things he talks about are a lot of the things we talk about when it comes to Brit Res and the state of it. And even a, a few... Uh, interesting news bits about uh, the booking of him in progress and elsewhere as well uh, absolutely people should check that out James he did the, the Lord's work with that interview there so that comes out Friday check that out uh, also follow me on Twitter at Benson Richard E follow the Grapple app on Twitter at Grapple app uh, not been a huge amount of matches for us to uh, rate this week but Gareth did put out uh, an interesting graphic with uh, it was the, the list of matches that have got the highest rate of matches where less than 50 people have given them ratings a lot mm. of all Japan in there, a couple of Dragon Gate matches in there, uh, some matches we've talked about uh, with Kento Mihara on this on this very podcast, uh, kind of floating uh, below, and Gareth is looking to put the uh, top 100 matches on Grapple Together list at the end of the year, and we'll have a, should have a podcast to go along with that too, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, if you if there's a match on that list that you're a big fan of, make sure you rate it, um, and yeah, if you're doing any catch-up towards the end of uh, end of year season, uh, do not forget to, uh, to add your rate there on Grapple 2. Well, yeah, other than that, we'll be back next week. Uh, I'll have seen the NWA pay-per-view. I doubt any of us will have seen the ROH pay-per-view, but hopefully we'll have a bit of uh, news and stuff to talk about as well. But that's us, it for us for another week. We'll see you next week. Bye. 
lie to oh, you, yeah. baby? Would I lie to you? Oh, yeah. That song, yeah. There's the closing theme. <laughs>